You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today the business at hand is clean air, clean indoor air. You know, how, when it comes to clean air, how do you even begin to inspect for contamination? Uh, when do you know to inspect for contamination? How do you test for specific tox- toxins? Well, we'll be talking with Richard Johnson, the founder and CEO of Air Allergen and Mold Testing, a company that's dedicated for the best methods of inspecting and advanced laboratory techniques for determining the specific contaminants that are a health risk to everyone and that helps everyone breathe easier. Welcome to the Business Hour, Richard. Thank you very much, Ron. Thanks for having me and sharing the things that we've learned, uh, the information we've accumulated with your audience. Well, you've certainly accumulated a lot of data, uh, perhaps more than any other indoor air quality company, with the exception of other advanced labs. And we're going to get into some of that. But let's start with um, our wrapping our arms around the the general problem, the problem with illnesses uh, that we believe are related to contaminated indoor air uh, in the U.S. Because, in fact, we're learning that indoor air is so much more contaminated than it's been in the past. And that, in fact, and this was uh, new to me, and we'll, we'll get into this, um, very often more contaminated than outdoor air, and people are thinking the reverse. They're thinking they're filtering uh, contaminants out, but in reality, they're emanating from inside the home and, and traps in some cases. So let's start with having you uh, tell us a little bit about the problem. Well, the the big problem, the big picture problem is that we're spending such a huge amount of our gross domestic product on health care. Back in the 1950s, it was in the range of 4.5%. Now it's up to 18 19%. And so we're spending, you know, $4 trillion a year on health care, and it's getting worse, not better. Um, there are thousands of studies that link what we breathe to a variety of health-related problems well beyond respiratory discomfort. And uh, where is most of that that we breathe coming from? It's from the indoor air. Back in the 1950s, we used to spend maybe uh, 40%, 50% of our time outdoors and 40 60% of our time indoors. Today, we're spending 90% of our time indoors. So if you want to figure out what having uh, your breathing um, has to do with your lifestyle, I think analyzing where you're spending 90% of your time takes 90% of your breath is the most important thing. Well, and, and in fact, and, and this is probably uh, kind of uh, sad, or I'll go so far as to say it's pretty sad. We've got young people that are spending so much time on the computer or playing computer games. They're spending much more time indoors as opposed to outdoors the way we used to play outdoors. For a variety of reasons. I mean, it's maybe safer indoors than outdoors if you don't have a uh, safe neighborhood. But a lot of children are spending many many hours indoors, and probably we're seeing a dramatic increase uh, in illnesses in children uh, related to indoor uh, contaminants. Um, 
most people just aren't aware that the indoor air is more toxic than out- outdoor air, right? Well, that's really true. Um, but there's just literally thousands of studies now that confirm that the indoor air is, uh, can be a significant problem. There's one by the National Institute of Health that suggests that from a chemical standpoint, the indoor air is anywhere from two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air with gusts to 100 times. Uh, The World Health Organization has declared background particulate in the indoor air to be a carcinogen of greater significance than secondhand smoke or radon, and numerous studies have linked asthma to indoor air quality. Uh, it used to be that they thought that the uh, if you had asthma, you had asthma, and if you were in an environment that would make it kind of trigger it, uh, it exacerbates some kind of a of a uh, episode. But now what they're finding is that children exposed to certain mold spores early in their life when they're infants are twice as likely to develop asthma by age seven. So now they're seeing that the indoor air is actually having a causal effect on uh, illnesses that can be with them for the rest of their lives. Right. In fact, whereas I, like many, were thinking, I was thinking that it was respiratory diseases, you know, strictly respiratory-related diseases, but it's really illnesses in general, right? Well, that's really true. If you think about how the body works, <clears throat> if you have a mold spore uh, that has some toxicity associated with it, it goes down in where your oxygen is exchanged uh, uh, w- into your blood, those uh, toxins that are there can get into your blood, and they can go to virtually any uh, organ in your, um, in your system. But it's not just mold spores. The background particulate itself has found to contain a variety of chemicals, there's one study of uh, 20, the one group that went and studied 26 study other peer-reviewed studies from other parts of the country, and they found uh, 46 different chemicals in the uh, background particulate that, that were uh, that were in homes. And what they found was that um, 10 of them were found in 90 percent of the homes, including one that was a known carcinogen. Well. I mentioned that um, we have problems with indoor air quality now more than ever. Uh, Let's go back uh, maybe to the 50s uh, when we probably first (coughs) became aware, and maybe there were some house standards or clean air standards. I I, I don't know, but, but I know that it goes back to around the 50s. Tell us about what's, what's evolved since that time uh, what's changed well the way we've constructed our indoor environment has changed significantly since World War II back uh, following World War II a real problem with the industrialization that we did was the outdoor air Uh, and that was the time when smog the word smog was invented and that kind of thing and the, um, the federal government Uh, came out with the first Clean Air Act, and that was going to take care of our breathing difficulties. Um, And since that time, though, asthma, a bellwether for breathing difficulties, has increased some 400%. So it didn't really do everything that it was set out to do in terms of the health. But what we've done, when you look at the alternative ways that you could consider how that might have changed, um, it comes down to what we've done with the indoor air quality. We've changed out carpet and uh, 
cardboard-covered walls now for uh, hardwood floors and plaster. We have uh, piled 20 inches of insulation in our attics um, that keep the um, HVAC system from turning on. Uh, we've tightened up our homes, with uh, wrapped them with Tyvek and caulked every nick and cranny that we could find. We've stuck our air handlers for the HVAC systems. We're really more common as a result of the uh, uh, advent of uh, of uh, air conditioning. Prior to that time, they had radiators and that kind of thing. Um, we've stuck them in moldy crawl spaces and basements that are not served by uh, the HVAC systems. We put filters in there that are incapable of capturing spores and respirable particulate uh, where they've been hard to find. And under mandate, we've uh, built the HVAC systems and the and the entire indoor air environment to uh, save energy rather than to provide the filtration and the dehumidification that we need. And then there's other ways that we've built our homes, too, where we've cheapened the shingles. Uh, in many cases, put them on with uh, a few staples instead of the nails. And we've had uh, plumbing uh, problems that leak, and we have a lot more plumbing in the houses than we used to have. So the whole variety of things that we've done to our homes has exacerbated this problem with the indoor air quality. Yeah, we'll get into um, mold uh, a little bit later, but of course, um, plumbing uh, related to mold uh, leakage, moisture, and uh, the growth of, of mold is probably really, really a significant factor. Yeah, um, any kind, the only thing that mold needs to grow is air, food, and water, moisture. And the humidity alone is enough to allow moisture to, to, to allow most molds to grow. But those that are considered to be the most toxic um, require near wet conditions to grow. And that typically comes from either a roof leak or a plumbing leak. A um, lot of uh, basements, a lot of um, uh, crawl spaces where uh, m- mold is thriving. Well, crawl spaces in particular um, are really bad, but there's also kinds of all kinds of drainage problems back out there that uh, allow the the ground in the crawl space uh, to be moist, or a basement to have a crack in it and leak water into the basement environment. So anything that raises the humidity up much over 50% is enough to support the growth of mold. And some of those basements, especially the ones not served by an HVAC system, you take outside air that might be 60% uh, of the humidity at 90 degrees, and you bring it in and cool it down to 60 or 70 degrees, and it might be 80% uh, humidity, which is more than enough to to allow mold to grow in a significant quantities. There, there are a lot, a lot of uh, particulates, uh, particulate matter in, in the the air that we breathe. What's tell? Let's broad based. What's the significance of that particulate matter? Well, in our opinion, particulate is something that is overlooked even more so than the mold issue. Um, there's all kinds of studies out there. The American Lung Association, um, after reviewing some 50 studies, suggested that the particulate in the air has been associated with increased respiratory uh, illnesses and chronic diseases like asthma and uh, COPD problems. Um, the World Health Organization has declared uh, indoor background particulate to be um, a carcinogen of, with a greater burden of health um, than secondhand smoke or radon uh, combined. Uh, 
and the people are just not paying attention to the particulate. The filters that they're using in there are these fiberglassy see-through filters that are statistically equivalent to no filter at all when it comes to the kind, the size of the particles that will get down into your lungs called respirable particulate. Let's, uh, let's turn to um, uh, a, a look at outdoor versus indoor in terms of uh, uh, what you've discovered. You know, uh, air allergen, your company, air allergen and mold testing, which we'll refer to as air allergen, uh, does a, puts a lot of emphasis on careful sample taking and, and analysis of those samples. W- what have you learned about indoor versus outdoor samples? One of the things that we were surprised, really, when we were looking at it, is that the indoor particulate levels are far higher, oftentimes one and a half, two and a half times or more than the outdoor particulate. And it gets even worse if there's any kind of um, housekeeping problems or uh, water damage that can cause the um, particulate to come from uh, damaged materials. What we find is that the uh, uh, outdoor uh, particulate, the median on it is around 100,000 particles per cubic meter compared to maybe 80,000 or so in the indoor air. But the average is uh, about 250,000 outside. We're going to take a break, Richard. Um, when we come back, Richard is going to tell us more about the kinds of services that Air Allergen uh, offers in the way of uh, sample uh, collection, inspections, uh, and what his lab uh, is doing to analyze the, br- the broad range of, uh, of contaminants in the air. We're talking with Richard Johnson, the founder and CEO of Air Allergen. We'll be back with Richard right after this break. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Richard Johnson, the founder and CEO of Air Allergen and Mold Testing. And Air Allergen is a company that's very dedicated to the inspection and collection of air samples and the analysis of those air samples. And we've been talking about the general condition of indoor air and we were before the break talking about indoor air and and outdoor air and Richard there's uh, something else that you wanted to add to that 
Yeah, I was trying to find some kind of uh, an example of how to compare the what's in w- indoor air versus the outdoor air, some example. And uh, last year in the uh, fall, we had fires up in the north side, north end of Georgia and into uh, Tennessee and North Carolina. And we had, during that period of time, uh, several days that were referred to as code yellow or code red um, for people to stay inside because of the particulate in the air. So I went back, and we had done 56 jobs during that brief period, um, and I looked at the outdoor air in those 56 jobs compared to the average indoor air, and I found out that uh, I found that the profile in what they were saying were code yellow and code red were very similar to what we see in the indoor air normally. Um, yeah, in fact, um, I guess minus some of the carbon, which would have given it the smell of uh, the smoke, um, we still have um, air that's laden with a lot of particulate matter, and and, and most people aren't aware of that. Um, I want to turn back, uh, or r- rather turn now to the, uh, the company itself. Um, why don't you give us a, a thumbnail sketch and an overview of the services uh, that air allergen and mold testing provides? When we first started out uh, as a company, we began by collecting air samples. Mostly we thought that they were uh, there, there was an issue or a market available for people that were looking for mold uh, in their homes or to find a level of it to see if they needed to do something about it. So we started collecting samples that we then sent to a lab and had analyzed. Um, we would then explain the significance of the findings and make suggestions to people about what to do it. Um, we So we were a sample gathering company as well as an inspection company and we still use outside labs for uh, some of our uh, things that we have analyzed. However, in uh, 2010 we built our own lab so that we'd have better control over what was being reported on. Um, So in addition to reporting on what we had been reporting during that period of time, we started looking at the background particulate. That's the time when we really began to realize that there was so much more in the indoor air quality than uh, just the uh, the mold spores. Um, And um, uh, sometime beyond that, we began looking at carpet dust. And we found that if we put the three of those things together, the mold spore counts, the background particulate, and the carpet dust, we can find um, things in the home we can understand about the indoor air quality far better than we can if we just look at one of those things. One of the studies that we did suggested that if you look at the air samples alone without the physical inspection, you could only identify a problem about 25% of the time when people were complaining about health concerns. When you add the particulate, it went up to about 50%. The carpet dust itself was about 50%, but when you put them together, usually if someone was talking about health problems, something would be out of whack about 95% of the time, and we'd be able to then use that information to guide us towards uh, not only the significance of what we're finding, but what to do about it, and um, then uh, how to keep it from being a problem in the future. Now, there are... um specific uh, air sample gathering techniques. Uh, Walk us through the process of uh, how you gather air samples. The way that 
most of the air samples are gathered today is to use what's called a spore trap. It's a plastic cassette um, that has a slide embedded in it, and we pump a measured amount of air through the cassette. We then send that cassette to the laboratory, um, and they will open it up, treat the, treat the slide internally, and then analyze it microscopically and identify each of the spores that are in the sample as well as the background particulate, and will identify the kind of background particulate as well as, as the quantity. Uh, and then they can convert that to spores per cubic meter. Now, would those air samples be collected at more than one spot in whatever structure you're you're sampling? Could you do it up up upstairs, downstairs? Um, yeah, we view taking samples is like painting a picture, and every sample is a different color. It's a different line. It's uh, something that uh, will be influence what you think that picture is. The obviously there's a cost associated with each of those samples. So the trick is to be able to take enough samples where you can make out what the picture is without taking so many samples that um, that you're making a Rembrandt and putting the person in the poorhouse by doing it. Uh, for example, if the rooms upstairs where the bedrooms are were carpeted, that might be one good place because you spend so much time and because there's lots of carpeting. Absolutely. Then downstairs on the main level in, in, a, in a den, for example, might uh, have hardwood floors and some uh, some rugs. Uh, so the, the first floor uh, might be one of those areas. And then, of course, we're talking basements or crawl space. Uh, so at least three samples in, in many cases? Well, our general guidance is take one air sample and one carpet dust sample, and each area is served by one of the HVAC systems. Most of the two-story houses that are built today have um, one HVAC system for the bottom floor and one HVAC system for the top floor and perhaps up in the attic. So uh, if a house that you've described has hardwood on the first floor, we just take an air sample there, and then we take the air sample and the carpet dust upstairs. Then we have to figure out, um, that, that would give us an idea of what they're breathing, um, both uh, from a snapshot in time, which is what we get from the air sample, but the carpet dust gives us a history of intermittent events, along with other kinds of things like yeast that uh, can affect your immune system but won't uh, show up in the air sample. So we get a snapshot of time, and we get a history of intermittent events, um, as well as the background particulate, the viable, the non-viable, we can get to the species level in the carpet dust. We put that information together. We can have an idea of what's going on in that area. Then we have to figure out where it's coming from. Since there's mold spores everywhere in the environment, we take an outdoor sample to exclude what's coming in from the outdoors. And in the case where they have a crawl space or a basement, we'll take an air sample in the basement or crawl space because those are oftentimes a usual suspect, especially if they have the HVAC system in those areas. Now, some companies um, that perform inspections don't actually have laboratory um, capabilities, so those are the companies that uh, work with you. Tell us about uh, your laboratory uh, that you use for your own air samples, but that that you also uh, render that service to companies which do the inspections. And we'll get into this as well. Uh, companies which do the remediation, uh, sometimes which aren't involved in the sample taking or the lab analysis, but are called in to 
deal with the problem and to remediate uh, you, some of those folks are your, your customers? Well, they really are. Um, and uh, breaking it down uh, in several sections, one of the advantages, we have two major advantages over most other companies. One, um, several of us in the company have construction experience. And so w- when the customer calls um, and says that they have a problem in the wall or in the plumbing or something else, we have a sense of what they're talking about and what might be inside the wall and that kind of thing. When we get that call and talk with the person, we ask one of the first questions is, tell us a little bit about your situation that prompted the call to begin with. Um, And then we will ask them, uh, is anyone having any health care symptoms? So they will tell us if they have headaches or they have allergy problems or if they have um, respiratory issues of some sort um, and what their health concerns are, and we capture that data. We also ask about the structures that they have, you know, whether it's a one-story, two-story, what kind of exterior it has, if it has crawl spaces and that type of thing. And we record all this information in our database. When the samples are taken, and at that point we can then make suggestions as to, um, once we understand their problem, make suggestions as to the sampling that we think um, will help them uh, answer the questions that they have about their problem. The inspector goes out, takes the samples, and brings them back uh, to our lab, and we analyze those samples. At that point, we have the inspector's notes. We have the interview from the occupant uh, uh, information, all of the healthcare issues, and all of the findings, the, the individual findings, not a summary, but the individual findings in the same database. So that allows us to run correlations uh, between things. We can tell, for instance, which spores found in the carpet uh, dust are more likely to have headaches or which ones are more likely to have respiratory problems or found where there's respiratory problems. And that allows us to really do a lot better job in terms of explaining the significance of what's going on to the customer and then either helping them understand that they don't have to do very much um, and they can save a bunch of money that uh, somebody else may have wanted them to spend or that um, or the things that they can zero in on and do uh, to solve their problem, and that can be much thorougher than an inspection company that doesn't have a lab or a lab without an inspection company. And and, and in a conversation that we had prior to today, um, I've heard you uh, sound uh, really quite proud of uh, your lab and your director of lab services and each of the people in, in your lab, right? You feel good about their qualifications, and it's it's just... A better lab. We believe it to be so. Um, we we have really focused on the quality of what we're uh, what we're doing as opposed to the quantity. Where some of the labs may be more interested in in the the uh, speed of getting something done. Our lab director has been doing it for something over 20 years. One of the augers that's used for recovering uh, the black mold uh, called Stachybotrys. Uh, is recovered on an auger that he patented some years ago. Um, we have uh, all the people that work in our lab have at least a degree in biology. Uh, one of them has a degree in public health, uh, a master's in public health, and of course our lab director has advanced degrees as well. So we're we're very uh, pleased with them, and uh, and we give them the freedom to do a good job. You 
um, also will perform laboratory services for um, uh, customers, I guess, who who might use a retail source or an online source to um, get air samples. They can uh, mail to you directly as well? Yes. Um, there are some kits that are available uh, publicly. Uh, typically, they're Petri dishes called settling plates, and um, they can be set out in a home to see what kind of mold might uh, settle on them. The problem with those is that while they give you some information about the typical spores that are found in an indoor environment, our guidelines for total spore count is under 2,500 per uh, cubic meter, and um, and we want to see the aspergillus penicillium under 500. Um, they don't give you a quantity. They will be able to identify the common spores. But if you've got 2,500 spores per cubic meter, nearly everybody's going to have some mold growth on them. And the issue, the difference between medicine and poison is the dosage. So the issue is the quantity. Those things will favor the heavier spores. They won't capture the viable spores, and they're affected by things like air current humidity. So we believe that the more thorough inspection that's provided by these spore traps is superior. We're going to take a break at, at this point, and when we come back, we're going to have you talk about some of the new technology uh, that's gone into analysis uh, that you utilize. We're here with Richard Johnson of Air Allergen and Mold Testing, and we've been talking about indoor air quality, uh, taking samples, uh, doing inspections, analyzing uh, those air samples, and we'll be back to talk about more, as I said, uh, more about the technology involved in that analysis right after this break. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. America's Web Radio is the most diverse and informative radio station anywhere in cyberspace. We have shows about health, business, current events, entertainment, home care, and everything in between. We appreciate your continued support of America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back 
to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and I'm here with Richard Johnson, the founder and CEO of Air Allergen and Mold Testing. And we've been talking about laboratory services at Air Allergen more critical than ever uh, because there are more different kinds of contaminants in the air. And we've been talking about how Air Allergen is very, very committed to a comprehensive approach to analyzing the air samples. Um, Also, uh, there are some new technologies. Tell us, for example, um, what kinds of uh, new advancements are allowing you to be more exacting than ever. One of the things that we do in our reports is we provide a photograph of at least one of the areas of interest on one of the slides. Uh, And that photographic evidence is important when someone is uh, going to explain the results of the report to a third party who may or may not have a level of skepticism. In looking at those slides and those pictures, um, I had conversations with our lab director sometime in the past I said, why can't, if we can identify a person walking through an airport from a facial recognition standpoint, why can't we identify these spores using optical recognition equipment? Which have uh, very distinct uh, shapes. Uh, they do. They do. They, they, each they have their own little area of distinction. And um, he said, well, it's just too complicated. We haven't had uh, the ability to... Um, to be able to make an algorithm that would, in fact, identify them accurately. Uh, Well, about a year ago, um, I uh, came in contact with a company in Utah who was dealing with optical recognition equipment. And they have uh, begun to work on a program with the optical character recognition that will identify the mold spores. They've had a reasonable amount of success um, to this date. We've been working with them now for a year. Um, they, in fact, take a photograph of virtually every particulate or every spore that's on that spore trap, and then they have algorithms that they're working on to identify spores. Some of them they're able to identify now up to 90, 95% uh, certainty. Uh, Others they're having a much harder time to identify. Uh, But we're continuing to work with them, and we're hopeful um, that uh, perhaps by the end of the summer they will have the situation developed to the point that we can start using them in our lab. And at that point, we'll have a photograph of virtually everything that we're finding in that slide so that we can uh, thoroughly identify and and show exactly what we're finding, um, which we believe would be a significant advance in the industry. So who are your customers on the inspection side? And I presume that many of those customers also utilize you on the laboratory side. Uh, There are some which are just uh, customers on the laboratory side. Help us get a a, a feel for who is who and who that marketplace is. We have two paths through our business. One of them starts with the people that call us for an inspection, um, and we gather the samples, and then we do the analysis and provide them with a detailed report uh, along with studies uh, that um, that we have accumulated to uh, uh, support the information that we've given them. And we've also been able to establish guidelines um, for what 
the median spore uh, findings are in other homes. Um, uh, and so that's one path that goes through our um, our company. The kind of people that would use that service would be potentially a buyer of a piece of a real estate, a home that they're going to live in. They're going to want to know that the indoor air quality is safe for themselves and their family. They would be um, uh, the seller may want to make sure that their home is uh, uh, all ready for sale because they're going to get substantially more money from it than if a buyer comes along and says, well, you've got a mold problem or something and uses that to try to reduce the uh, selling price. So we deal with both buyers and sellers. Certainly the realtors want to use our services because if they downplay certain problems and um, or dismiss certain problems that are later turned out to be an issue, um, they could be held to some liability um, based on other similar circumstances uh, in real estate law. So the realtors uh, would be interested in it. We have attorneys that uh, use our services because their clients have come to them with uh, often tenant-landlord disputes. The uh, property managers uh, oftentimes will come to us because their tenant has a problem, or the tenant themselves will come to us and say, hey, I think there's a problem in this uh, rental unit, and I want to have some documentation that I can show the landlord so that he can address it properly. I would think that um, uh, the healthcare industry uh, is uh, very interested in, in inspections and in lab testing since they're in the business of diagnosing and treating respiratory illnesses and that they wouldn't want, for example, their treatment facilities to be another source uh, that contributes to the problem. That's not always clear how committed they are to clean air. Maybe you could uh, demystify that, but but healthcare is one of the, your customers, right? The healthcare industry. Yes, we're getting uh, an increasing number of referrals from uh, doctors um, and medical practices uh, that the, that are becoming aware of the fact that the indoor air quality could, in fact, be a problem. Um, and, and as you say, it's been a mixed bag. Uh, I, I worked with FEMA in Florida for um, seven months following the hurricanes in 04 and 05, and I saw a lot of things that were said and done by inspectors and uh, remediators that would be less than what we would expect to have happen today. And so I think there was a certain amount of of skepticism when we first started approaching the medical community. And we would bring them some brochures and things, and they would say, yeah, that's nice, and kind of dismiss us a little bit. Um, but they're becoming much more um, aware of the situation now, and I think that that's changing. But um, the reality is that they still have a role in the in their in their business um, that doesn't necessarily extend beyond 
their services. Um, Treatment of the condition. That's correct. And our position is that nothing was ever solved uh, by accommodating the symptoms. Most of the medical profession has been aligned towards treating symptoms. For, for, system, for instance, the drug companies sell pharmaceuticals, and they're not in the business of telling people that they don't need to have pharmaceuticals. Uh, the allergists uh, treat allergies. Um, and I have a funny story about that. When my co-chair in the Asthma Coalition and I had a, um, a discussion because I was concerned that they weren't giving them this information, and she said, well, you come in with this altruistic attitude that they, you know, this is something else they can do for their patients. And, and what they hear you saying is, hey, I've got this great idea, and if we're successful, we can cut your business by 10, 20, 30 percent. And they're not as likely to, to uh, hear the same message that what you you're talking about. Um, the environmentalists have focused on outdoor air primarily. Uh, the pharmacists dispense drugs. They don't necessarily know the information about the indoor air quality or what the doctor had been exposed to to dispense those. The pulmonologists to repair the lungs, that's their job. The emergency room doctors uh, stabilize the patient and uh, get them so they can go back out and function normally. Landlords minimize expenses, um, and much much of their what they do is done um, either out of common practices or out of lack of knowledge of some of the consequences of what they may not be doing as well as they could. So there's an education component. Insurance companies, Medicaid and Medicare all pay for health care. And um, the, the reality is that the health community um, looks to be reimbursed. And so if the reimbursement mechanisms are only paying for treating the symptoms and not going in and treating the root cause, they're going to focus on uh, building up practices to treat the symptoms. None of them are focusing on the unhealthy indoor environments that we're finding. So let's talk about what it is <clears throat> and uh, what it is. Oh, do you have something to add? Yeah, I do have one more thing to add. I believe that that's changing. Uh, we've had conversations uh, here with the major hospitals, with Grady and with uh, Wellstar. We've had conversations with the school nurses. We've had conversations with the um, um, the others in the healthcare community um, and the and the. Uh, uh, apartment association we've had a conversation and I believe that they're becoming more aware of it and embracing this and I expect that uh, before too much longer they're going to be including this uh, indoor air quality assessment as part of the assessment of a patient's health. Um, uh, that of course is going to be uh, a really good thing for people suffering from the, the range of conditions we're talking about but also could be uh, uh, I would think the insurance companies would see that as uh, a, a positive evolution, you know, so that they're really solving the problem and not having to pay out for uh, return visits. Um, I think I, I do believe that. I believe that there's a place for it in the insurance industry. Another thing that's happened is that the Affordable Care Act has, has two provisions in it that can be helpful. One is that if a person continues to return for the same problem, uh, their reimbursement 
declines. So instead of seeing a patient come in that is a uh, patient that that will bring money to pay for their service, they see a patient coming in that's going to take resources from other things that they could do. It also provides for funding uh, to go out into the community to help solve some of these problems. Um, we're going to be taking a break here in, in a little bit. And when we come back, Richard, I would like you to talk about the things that people can do uh, to ensure that their health, uh, that their health homes or uh, that a commercial indoor environment uh, is uh, less subject to these air contaminants. Uh, and then also, uh, I guess, along with that, um, uh, your opinion of, about what they should be doing as well as what conditions exist now uh, that are causing the problems. Those two are related. We're here with Richard Johnson of Air Allergen and Mold Testing. He's been talking about the condition of indoor air quality and the ways to improve it um, through inspection and analysis of uh, air samples. We'll be right back with Richard after this break. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Michael Connolly inviting you to listen each Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern to my show, Our Constitution, only on America's web radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Richard Johnson of Air Allergen and Mold Testing. We've been talking about air contamination, uh, indoor air contamination, and, and it sounds like we've been focusing almost entirely on homes, even though we mentioned the healthcare uh, industry and uh, the places of business where healthcare is being provided as being uh, maybe a little more aware of having a uh, clean air environment. 
but also the vast array of commercial structures. Richard, tell us a little bit about how what we've been talking about applies to the commercial structure world. Yeah, what we find in the commercial uh, segment of our business is a little bit different in the, than we find in the homes, uh, in part because the office buildings uh, are structured differently. And by law, they are required to have fresh air come into the cold air uh, return of their building, a certain percentage of it, 10 or 15 percent, depending on how many people that they have in there. And what that does is that slightly pressurizes the building so that uh, chemical pollutants, in particular uh, carbon dioxide from what we exhale as a group, um, will remain diluted because by pressurizing the building, when you turn on the bathroom fans, when you open and close the windows, that air tends to move outward instead of inward. And um, and so you're having the air that's coming in goes through the filter system and through the conditioning system. Uh, it's being replaced by better quality air than you would have in a, in a home when you have that same uh, set of circumstances. The second uh, thing, though, that we find there is that a lot of the commercial spaces have carpet. And the carpets are frequently old and worn. They've had a lot of traffic on them. So we find a lot of stuff in the carpet more so than we might find in an individual home that hasn't been used that much. Uh, so that would be different. And But when we, as far as other than the carpeting, mold growth in the um, office buildings typically would happen more from leaks, uh, particularly roof leaks. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a building with a flat roof that didn't have a leak at some time or another. And um, and uh, other things in the where two kinds of roofs meet and you have temperature variations that make it flex can cause uh, uh, leaks as well or just aging and damage. And I would imagine uh, some of the older buildings are a little more subject to some of the same, these problems, particularly an older building that's hermetically sealed. Yes, um, and we do get some complaints that way. Uh, really, most buildings, older, newer buildings now, you really can't open the windows. Uh, they rely strictly on the makeup air. Uh, but the air, makeup air, if they have a proper filter in it, is filtered, and it does have fresh air coming in. So in general, we see less of indoor air quality problems that we see in the homes in the commercial buildings, although there's obviously with as many buildings we have, there's a number of exceptions. So before the break, we were talking about some of the factors that contribute to uh, air, air contamination. And of course, some of the factors that contribute to air contamination are those same factors that you have to eliminate to mitigate the risk. So tell us about, and most of these would apply to a commercial, if not all of them, to commercial structure. What is it that people should become aware of uh, that might be the source for uh, problems? Well, from a particulate standpoint, um, the key to uh, managing particulate in the air is the um, filtration. Uh, The HVAC systems in many of these homes and almost all of the apartments have a little fiberglassy see-through filter that's statistically equivalent to no filter at all when it comes to background particulate. So they need to have a good filter. There is a rating system that's uh, more... um, 
more universal than some of the others called a MERV rating system. It stands for Microbial Efficiency Rated Value. You want to have a MERV 8 filter minimum will go down to 3 microns, which will take care of most mold spores. But we recommend a MERV 10 filter because that will go down to 1 micron and take care of a good deal of the respirable particulate. So we say you need to have at least a MERV 10 filter in your HVAC system. That will help with the mold spores. That will help with the respirable particulate. It will also help take out some of the other debris like insect debris um, from uh, dust mites, rodents, cockroaches, and things that you would inhale can be captured. The second thing that we need is dehumidifiers, the second uh, really important thing. If you can hold the humidity near or below 50%, you're going to suppress the growth, retard significantly the growth of most mold spores. So you've got, uh, from when they come in from the outdoor air, you capture them in the filters before they have a chance to grow, but those that are left, you control the humidity before they can can start to grow. Uh, That will also help other pests like dust mites. Dust mites absorb their moisture through their exoskeleton. If you hold the humidity down around 50% at room temperature, there's not enough water in the air for them to survive, so they'll gradually disappear. Cockroaches, spiders, uh, crickets, all those kinds of things goes to moisture and water damage. So uh, controlling the humidity will do a, a, a big job on getting rid of, um, of those pests as well. And then, of course, we need a good deal with housekeeping um, because you don't want the dust in the air. You know, do you know? Use a mild, like a spray for your dusting and that kind of thing. Use a HEPA filter vacuum in your vacuum cleaner so that uh, you're capturing the things that you're vacuuming out. The old bag style would just suck it out of the carpet and broadcast it all over the room. Um, and then the final, the fourth piece that is being utilized almost not at all, but I think is an equally important piece, is to add a small amount of outside fresh air to your cold air plenum, like is what is required by law for office buildings, so that you are diluting the chemicals in your air and leaving the air leak outward when we have rain and that kind of stuff bubbling out instead of drawing the uh, air into the homes. If it were up to you, would you even up that current uh, requirement of uh, 10 or 15 percent to 20 percent? The concentration in the indoor air for carbon dioxide seems to be able to be taken care of at the 15% level. They tried reducing it back in the 80s down to 10 and very quickly reversed themselves. Um, That was the era when the sick building syndrome word was uh, um, coined. Um, So, no, I don't think that – I think in a home – 5% 5% uh, would probably be adequate. So what, what about mold remediation? Mold remediation is not difficult. Uh, it, there's a lot of voodoo that goes on, and a lot of different companies have different chemicals, and, and that their idea is the best, and some of them are enzymes, and some of them are whatever. But the basic steps for uh, mold remediation are that you stop the water intrusion, you prevent the spread of the mold uh, to other areas if, if you can contain it, um, you um, remove the materials that can't be cleaned, kill the mold with a fungicide that's left on the materials that are left. Things like carpet, you know, you're going to take those out, or if you've got drywall that's been wetted or flooded from the other side, you're going to remove. But what's left, you want to kill the mold with a fungicide. You remove the spores that are left, 
if you think about mold, it's important to make the distinction between mold and mold spores. Think about mold like an orange grove. The mold are like the trees. That's what you see. But the spores are like the oranges. <clears throat> so you want you'll, the chemicals for fungicides will kill the trees, but it won't kill the oranges. It won't kill the spores. So you remove them by either wiping or vacuuming them, uh, either with a HEPA filter vacuum or, if you're using a shop vac, exhaust it outside. And then seal the remaining spores with an encapsulant. You protect yourself and use chemicals that are safe, that aren't likely to be causing uh, some kind of a problem. I want to talk about for a second uh, that along with these more comprehensive uh, analyses uh, of particulate matter and uh, dust samples, uh, your lab actually provides also um, a more complete um, guide to remediation. Uh, that's part of what you offer uh, in terms of uh, the laboratory reporting, uh, but also uh, you take a uh, sort of a broad-based approach in general to uh, to solving the problem of indoor air quality, don't you? We really do. Um, we we're very f- become very focused on the health aspects of what it is that we're doing, and um, we have come up with uh, in association with these other groups that I work with with the integrated care mo- with an integrated care model and um, and when we get into the next segment we can talk about what we've learned about the emergency room treatments for instance but our view is that when someone goes in for health care for uh, breathing difficulties or things that could be associated with it <clears throat> in addition to the pulmonologist and the allergist and the pharmacist that they would talk to they should include an indoor environmentalist Legisl- uh, uh, legal issues as well as uh, including whoever is responsible for their health care. You know, Richard, uh, we've covered a lot. We're going to have to have you come back for part two. Um, I, I also wanted to acknowledge the fact that, that you personally are involved in a number of different uh, organizations which are uh, dedicated to improving indoor air quality and to helping uh, people breathe easier. Uh, you work uh, with the Georgia Homes uh Healthy Homes Coalition. You work with the Fulton County Asthma Improvement and Reduction Coalition. Uh, you're working with the national or a member of the National Healthy Homes uh, Learning Community. Just a lot of things to help educate uh, people and establish new guidelines for breathing easier. Um, thank you for all that work that you do. Uh, thank you for coming on to the program and shedding light on uh indoor air quality and what your company is doing to help people breathe easier thank you much for having me i appreciate it very much you've been listening to the business hour here at america's web radio we're on from 10 to 11 fridays we'll see you on the radio next friday and have a great weekend breathe easy you're listening to america's web radio online thanks for tuning in Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. 
Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio Online. Thanks for tuning in.